Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual and spirited congregation dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and we're very glad you're here. I would like to extend a special welcome to those of you visiting with us this morning. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone. And it is in the spirit of that heritage that I say, let us greet the divine in our midst by turning to the people to your right and left and welcoming them here this morning. Let us say together the words by which we light the chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. We like to know what we're doing here. And so we have a mission statement that tells us what we're doing here. We write it on the wall when we're in our new sanctuary. We hang it on the wall when we're in our temporary sanctuary. And we say it together every Sunday. Together, we nourish souls transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Our meditation reading is from Gretchen Haley. Before reaching out, start by sinking in. Before lifting your eyes to strangers and friends, before scrolling still another headline, another status update, another family photo, another election prediction, still your heart here. For a time, take stock of your breath, your pulse, your body. Give thanks for all of these things that have conspired to bring you here, where there is no problem to be solved, no news to absorb, no worry to turn over and over and over in your mind, no wondering what you came here for or what you were meant to do or buy or say. There is only the remembering who you are and to whom you belong and the space for bringing in and letting go for mending and waiting with a purposeful patience so that here in this vast, unfamiliar quiet, we might awaken again to this wide world and the light that breaks through the thick autumn sky and the beauty that persists and the partners that are everywhere, breathing and remembering too. This is the time in our service when we enter together into an attitude of meditation and prayer where we speak or listen to God as we understand God or listen to our inner wisdom or just watch our breath as it comes in and out of our bodies. It is in the quiet that we can find clarity, that we can feel our Roots go deep into the heart of compassion, that we can feel ourselves held in the arms of love. 
Let us enter into the wise silence together, understanding that small noises from children and the noises of life count as part of the silence in this congregation. When I found that the choir was going to be doing a Mass this morning, I decided to preach about something in the Mass. And I knew that the first thing in any Mass is Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. And I felt really called to preach about mercy. The Word just had this creaminess, like a balm to it, and I just thought, oh, my God, don't we all need a little mercy now? And then I thought of the Mary Gauthier song, A Little Mercy Now, and um, Rolling Stone called it the saddest song ever written, and I, 
Uh, the first verse goes like this, just to show you. My father sure could use a little mercy now. The fruits of his labor fall, lie rotting on the ground. His work is almost over, won't be long till he won't be around. I love my father. Sure could use a little mercy now. So the song's been stuck in my head for the last week and a half, ironically, mercilessly. (laughs) I wanted to start by reading something my colleague Joanna Fontaine Crawford put on Facebook. She's the minister at uh, Live Oak Church in Cedar Park. And this resonated with me. I don't know if it will with you. She writes, I don't know if we're all conscious about it, but right now we're just waiting for Tuesday. I see so many posts where people are commenting on how hard it is to get motivated to do their normal routines. We're waiting for Tuesday because next Tuesday is bigger than the politicians we're voting for. On Tuesday, we find out again about us, about the U.S., We find out what kind of country we're living in. Is it a country that shrugs or cheers at hate? Or a country that firmly says no? And so it's really no wonder that we're having trouble continuing with normal life. We're not quite sure that what we thought was normal life is. Our country is in Schrodinger's box. Right now it could be that The last two years have been a fluke, a temporary reaction to progress, or that they are the reality of who we are as a nation. This is not normal, we've been saying. Next Tuesday, we find out. I think about mercy, and I... I think about where my mercy just naturally wants to go. And um, so I think about the, the people who are on the long walk north who are hot and tired and worried and blistered and hopeful. And I think about the mercy that they're being shown by the people in Mexico on their way, and I contrast that with what they're being shown from here. And I'm glad that the Unitarian Universalist Service Committee is raising money so that some of us will be able to meet them with mercy at the border as they seek asylum legally. My heart cries out for mercy for the people of color among us, terrorized by racist violence, to the Jews among us who have lost 11 people to U.S. racist violence, for the transgendered people among us who are threatened more intensely by the day, by individuals and by policies. And the people of color, the people of the global majority among us, know that this is not new, And um, as the people who identify as white who are 
who have had the privilege of being protected from the knowledge of the ugliness of our culture until it's just gotten too huge to ignore, are suddenly overwhelmed by it. We're living in another ugly time for vulnerable people, and my heart cries out for mercy. And then I suffer for the suffering of the other people, so I've been really twisted up and in pain. And part of that is um, just natural compassion. Feeling with someone is compassion. Just to be in pain for those who are in pain. But then I ask myself, um, is my suffering, is my getting close to burning out on uh, on this... um, Pain, is that doing anybody any good? Is that helping the people on the long walk? They don't even know me. Um, my pain is not helping them. And it, uh, it threatens to undo me. And so if I'm suffering so much over their suffering that I'm rendered useless, isn't that me just kind of centering my own feelings and uh, making it all about me? which I love to do, but it's it's not really from the best part of me. There are people in danger, and they are not me. Um, I'm a a white lady of a certain age. I'm going to, I am gay, but um, I'll probably be dead before they start putting us in camps. And, um, And y'all would come visit me anyway. It's so alarming and so painful. And where my mercy goes is to the people of the global majority and the people who are vulnerable and those children who are still separated from their parents and the people who are still in detention. Uh, And I think... That when we are in pain, uh, we say to ourselves, well, just make phone calls and just vote, vote, vote. And, um, and some people are really impatient with the anguish. And they go, ah, don't, don't mourn, organize. And um, don't agonize, organize, which sounds even better, even though it's not what Emma Goldman said. And we, we are vote, vote, voting, right? Has, who's voted already? So the word mercy, as it's used in our culture, comes from the Hebrew through the Jewish scriptures. Chesed is the word in Hebrew. The whole movement of Hasidim, Hasidism, comes from the word chesed. It just means mercy. It means a long-running loving kindness. And mostly, it's the mercy of God for God's people. And mercy is almost always used in the context of someone who has power giving mercy to someone who has less power, right? I mean, it's the judge having mercy on the accused or the soldier having mercy on the um, person who's on the ground or um, the king having mercy. But I think I think we can have mercy on our peers, too. I know, um, you know, I was a couples counselor for a long time, so my... My thoughts naturally go to couples 
work, and I think husbands, wives, and partners um, can have mercy on each other and should have mercy on each other. Need to. It's required. Um, Should have mercy on each other. And what does that look like? It just means making as many excuses for them as you do for yourself. It means um, not keeping score of every slight, letting some of them go. Not being a jerk when they're uh, when they're wrong. Seeking to understand them before they before we seek to be understood, and we can speak sweetly and with love, and we can refuse to bring a lawsuit. And I I put that in quotation marks because that's from my translation that I use of the I Ching, uh, Confucian wisdom from the Chinese tradition. Um, bringing a lawsuit in the I Ching means when, you, when you've decided about somebody, you've got their number, you know who they are, and you're not expecting them to change. Like, I know you, don't even talk to me. I'm, I'm, I've had it with you. That's bringing a lawsuit. Or setting a bar for the relationship so that you, you're watching for them to do something or not do something, and you're evaluating them all the time. Alike in my first marriage, when I was married to a man, my son's father's father, um, he, you know, bless his heart, he was an introvert and he was not a morning person. And for 15 years, I said, good morning, first. And then I got resentful. And I said, you know what I would really like from you? As a gesture of love, I would like for you to say good morning first. And he said, huh. And um, so every morning after that, he would come down the stairs and I'd go, good morning. And he'd go, huh. And my good mornings got more and more sarcastic. Till they were like, good morning. Because <laughs> I was young and exhausted and had two small children. I had brought a lawsuit and I was evaluating him all the time. And he was falling short of the bar. And one morning he came down, and I gave him a kind of a sarcastic good morning after waiting for a little while, because I still had hope. And he said, Meg, I am never going to say good morning first, ever. And I just thought, well, I'm out of here. But it was, I'm not making, I mean, uh, it was a lot more complicated than that. He had also voted for Bob Dole. Even that is oversimplifying. (laughs) But making a lawsuit against someone, setting a bar and evaluating them constantly is not the way to stay married for a good long time. I needed to have a little mercy on him. And, And then there's this part of me that goes, can I... Am I allowed? Can I just have a little mercy for me? Can I have a little mercy on this pain? Can I have a little mercy on myself from time to time? And I read Sue Monk Kidd, who's a, who wrote The Secret Life of Bees, and she said, The world will give you that once in a while, a brief time out. 
The boxing bell rings and you go to your corner where somebody dabs mercy on your beat-up life. And I don't want to say have a beat-up life. I don't have a great life. I'm not suffering over my own suffering. I'm suffering over other people's suffering, which is kind of okay and kind of not okay. I'm having a fight with myself up here in front of you. But if you want to stay in shape for being in the struggle for the long haul, you got to have a little mercy on you. And you got to have a little mercy even on your opponents. Because hate never ceases by hating. I don't know if hate can cease from mercy, but that's what the world's great religions seem to say. And many among us have been in the struggle for a really long time. There are those among us who are people of color, who are trans people, who are gay people, been in the struggle pretty much daily since day one. And there are many people who identify as white in this congregation who've been in the struggle for a long time in the 60s for civil rights and in the 70s for reproductive freedom and in the 80s and in the 90s and in the 2000s. uh, We are strivers for justice in this denomination. We are a justice-focused church. And it takes a long, long time, and it may never be over. It's a long haul without a steady trajectory. And I just learned something. I know many of you have known this already, but I learned something from Congressman John Lewis a few months ago, and he said, we have to fight for these same rights over and over again, you know. And I yelled at the TV, no, I, you're right. It feels so much like we're moving backwards to me. But some people really like it that way. They feel safer moving backwards. There's a way of life, uh, which is another word for white supremacy culture. There's a way of life that needs to be preserved. And, um, Some people just really love that way of life. And it's wicked. So I think about having mercy for my opponents. Susan Sontag said, 10% of the people all the time are going to be kind. And 10% of the people all the time are just wired to be cruel. And the 80% in between can kind of be persuaded either way. She said it much more elegantly than that, of course. But it helps me to think about the people in the rallies yelling, CNN sucks and lock her up. And I think maybe they've just been radicalized and I poisoned, infected with the terrible joy of being with other like-minded people saying something out loud that you used to only think and you thought maybe I should feel guilty for thinking that. But no, look, there's a whole like third of America that feels exactly the same thing. And we thought we were alone, but we're not all alone. And we can yell terrible things together. And isn't this an ecstasy of joy in this cruelty? And it feels good to shout things with other people uh, that you agree on. It feels good. I mean, if it were in the culture of progressives to gather in large 8,000 people rallies and yell, I would be so into that. If, uh, 
they were just flash pictures of, of our, I'm sorry, our, some of our elected officials on the federal level and their families. And if we were to yell, lock them up, I'd be going, lock them up, Ivana. No, not Ivana, Ivanka, the other one. Lock her up. <laughs> you know, Jared, lock him up. I could really get into that. And so I know that's not the best part of me, right? But my baser instincts could certainly be set on fire if we were all in a rally uh, and someone gave us permission not to be ashamed to do that. <laughs> but we really should be ashamed to do that. And just because there are lots of people who'd be yelling with us doesn't make it right. We'd be yelling, do process. <laughs> get behind that, but it really does. I mean, anybody who's been to a football game knows it feels great to yell stuff with other people, right? I, I went to Duke and we had basketball games. This was before Coach K, so we weren't always that good, but we would, um, we'd have our own nerd cheers. You know, we would yell, harass them, harass them, make them relinquish the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm so ashamed. <laughs> but having mercy, it doesn't mean finding some kind of fake common ground in the moral, mushy middle. Common ground is, you know, <laughs> we want clean water, and we like to breathe clean air, and we want our children to grow up healthy and happy, and um, we want to feel safe. Common ground is not in the mushy moral middle. We don't have to go to the middle like, oh, here are some Nazis and here are some counter-protesters and let's just meet in the middle. No, no, Nazis are bad, period. But there is common ground. I don't want to try to find it right now. I don't have enough mercy in my heart. Um, there is a goddess of mercy and compassion, Kuan Yin. I'm going to leave that all up to her. <laughs> But I do think that mercy is maybe not a human characteristic, maybe not a, just a natural human characteristic. I think maybe we have to develop mercy. Maybe mercy comes from spiritual strength for most of us. And I like the idea that it's a, that it's a, 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 a practice that comes from the mystery which is larger than any of us, because that means the mercy doesn't run out. And that means I can have all the mercy in the world for the people who are trying to be asylum seekers and the people who are fleeing violence. And I can have mercy on the unarmed black folk who get, and brown folk and native folk who get killed by police. And I can have mercy on, on the trans folk who are, who are violated every day. And I can have mercy on the three women who are killed by husbands and partners every single day in the U.S. And I can have mercy on the people who are sorrowing. And I can still have some mercy for me. And it makes me stronger if I'm not brittle and burned out. Does that make sense? The last verse of the song says, 
every living thing could use a little mercy now. Only the hand of grace can end the race toward another mushroom cloud. People in power, they'll do anything to keep their crown. A love life and life itself could use a little mercy now. Let's say the words by which we extinguish our chalice first, and then we'll do the benediction. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. I'll sing a line, and you sing it after me. The first time we sing this through, we sing it for ourselves. The words are, you may be one last spark. We all need to light the whole world. You may be, you may be, one last spark, one last spark. We all need, we all need, to light the whole world, to light the whole world. Yes, very strengthening. You're supposed to sing that for yourself for six months before you try any of this. The rest of it, I'm just going to show you what it is. So, Next, you sing it for someone you love, somebody in your mind. You may be, you may be, one last spark, one last spark. We all need, we all need, to light the whole world, to light the whole world. Mm. So, the next is to sing it for somebody about whom you're kind of indifferent, but we're going to skip that one. Um, in the interest of time, because I want to hear the choir again. Um, the final exam one is to sing it about someone, for somebody that you have a resentment against. Um, I stayed on the statewide level for this last service. You're welcome to do that if you just don't have the strength. Um, so get somebody in mind that you have a resentment against. You may be. finish by singing it for ourselves again. You may be, you may be, one last spark, one last spark, we all need, we all need, to light the whole world, 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 to light the whole world. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.